This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. Grain markets put in a choppy week, starting with the supply-demand report last Monday and then pulled back the entire week until Friday where we saw wheat and corn try to turn around. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose, the traders actually probably narrowed the trading range a bit here, testing both sides of this market. Uh, couldn't carry through to the downside today, uh, couldn't really carry through to the upside. And that's what we had at the beginning of the week. The positiveness was the uh, crop report that we had from a supply uh, standpoint. It was a positive bullish, if you will. But then as we went through the week, the uh, demand side of the market with the recessionary fears bubbling to the top with the equity market coming under a lot of pressure. So, um, you know, it was the uh, supply side of the market bullish, the uh, bear side of the market with the recessionary fears kind of took us down. And soybeans made a 70-cent jump following that supply-demand report on Monday. Zaner Group Ag Hedge Lead Ted Seifert said soybeans were the big surprise in that market. The big surprise was the soybean yield coming in below not only trade expectations, but the range of trade expectations. And then on top of that, you had harvest acreage numbers come down for both corn and beans. So you had lower production numbers uh, for both corn and soybeans, which for soybeans is a pretty profound thing because the USDA was not able to really cut much demand off of the balance sheet, the 93 million bushels. And now we're looking at one of the highest balance sheets that we've seen in the last few years. And that report did help rip the Band-Aid off the market for the grains. can say that maybe this was a rip the Band-Aid off the event for the grains, uh, and we had a one-day price adjustment. Do we need to continue to go higher uh, in the future, or do we kind of have our highs in for now and fall underneath cash pressure when we have harvest? So today answered a lot of questions as far as the balance sheet is concerned, but it didn't maybe didn't answer all the questions as far as price was concerned. Bauer Trading President Jim Bauer says South American weather now will be the priority going forward. But right now, beans are up, so that's a big, big move. Uh, corn's up, and the bull spreads are working there. Uh, and wheat, uh, I'd say wheat's been kind of disappointed because it's basically unchanged. It's just slightly higher, so it, it didn't follow through like the corn and soybeans. Progressive ag marketing market analyst Brian Strauman says not a lot of fresh news this week either, other than that report, but that wheat market did bounce higher on Friday. The spring wheat harvest is wrapping up and, and uh, pretty much completed uh, as we speak. So, uh, you know, everything that was going to the elevators there and, and the rest is in the bin. So, uh, yeah, just uh, not a lot of fresh news out there, though, for that market. And you look at the corn and the beans, they were both slightly lower uh, most of the morning, very close to unchanged now. Uh, the negative outside markets uh, weigh in on the corn. Uh, you've got non-threatening weather uh, as for the next two weeks with really no frost in the forecast for most of the country as uh, some harvest pressure also uh, coming into play. And then you look at the export side of things. Uh, we're running at, you know well behind the five-year average. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoop says there was also quite a bit of risk-off trading. Uh, more deliveries of soybeans, second consecutive uh, day that we saw deliveries of beans, which it's a negative sign from the standpoint that, you know, beans are in pretty high demand, but once we've uh, uh, moved to the November contract, September went off the board, there's uh, maybe not quite as much demand as what was uh, thought to, to be, especially with the start of harvest here. So that's weighing on things. The lack of uh, demand um, as well as far as exports. No private sales this week and pretty much routine export business once those uh, sales have been reported. 
Tim puts us on the defensive. And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. What's impressive about Pioneer brand canola? It can do it all. Good yield potential? Yes. Resistance to blackleg, club rut, and scarlatinia? Yes. Hybrids with harvest flexibility? Yes. Your choice of herbicide trait platform? Yes. Lumiderm seed treatment? Yes. Can this Pioneer brand canola do all that? Yes, this canola can. Learn more at pioneer.com slash canola or contact your local authorized Pioneer sales representative for more information. From Roseau to Aberdeen and Benson to Rugby, we cover agriculture here on the Red River Farm Network. Agriculture is big business, and we cover it that way with markets, market analysis, crop progress reports, USDA crop and supply demand reports, farm policy, and trade issues. We focus on the news that drives the markets. If it affects your bottom line, you'll hear about it here on the Red River Farm Network. Go online to rrfn.com. You'll find news, podcasts, weather, and more. With a look at farm news this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Farm leaders from the region will were on Capitol Hill this week. National Farmers Union hosted their legislative fly-in. Also, Minnesota Farm Bureau members were in Washington, D.C. this week making a trip. Farm Bureau members were, were advocating for their farm bill priorities. More than 220, uh, 220 National Farmers Union members were in D.C. for the annual legislative fly-in. In addition to time on Capitol Hill, Farmers Union members met with top antitrust officials at the Justice Department. Minnesota Farmers Union President Gary Wardish says competition is a serious issue for farmers. COVID really brought to the attention the, the consolidation in the meat market, but you know, with, with the supply chain shortages, you know, the high prices of fertilizer and all that, and the high prices of fuel, a lot of that goes back to consolidation in those various industries. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. So it was good to have that discussion with uh, Mr. Cantor at the Department of Justice. A letter has been sent to USDA asking Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack to reject proposals to weaken U.S. sugar policy. The letter also highlighted the positive economic impact created by the sugar beet and sugar cane industries. That letter is signed by North Dakota Senator John Hoven, Minnesota Senators Amy Klobuchar, Tina Smith, and 10 other colleagues. Highly pathogenic avian influenza continues to spread in Minnesota. There have been 10 confirmed cases in the state with this fall outbreak, and Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson said more announcements are coming. So we're really concerned about the quickness uh, of this outbreak and just really urging uh, farmers to take biosecurity controls because I think it's uh, uh, 400,000 birds already since uh, uh, late August. And so with the um, bird migration just starting, we know the virus is still in the air. And uh, so that, uh, you know, continues to be a, a very big concern for us. The Food and Agriculture Policy Research Institute, FAPRI, expects U.S. net farm income to reach a record $148 billion this year. That's twice the level seen just five years ago. FAPRI says the high commodity prices will buffer the largest ever year-to-year -year increase in farm production costs. North Dakota Beef Commission Executive Director Nancy Jo Bateman has announced her plans to retire at the end of the year. Bateman is considered the longest-serving state beef council executive director in the country, serving 38 years in that role. 
representatives from 20 countries and the European Union will be in Minnesota next week to learn more about the state's agricultural industry. trip is being organized by USDA's Foreign Ag Service. It kicks off with a welcome ceremony Monday at the Minnesota State Capitol. Transportation costs for moving farm commodities to the Pacific Northwest continue to rise. According to the USDA Grain Transportation Report, year-over-year PNW transportation costs rose 18% for corn, 16% for soybeans, increased due to higher trucking and ocean freight rates. Seven leading industrial nations hope to have functioning dispute settlement systems under the World Trade Organization by 2024. The G7 trade ministers released a joint statement saying the WTO needs to reflect for the needs for transparency, fair, com uh, fair competition, and the rule of law. American Crystal Sugar Company and its union employees have, four, uh, have a new four-year labor contract. Deal includes increase in wages, vacation time, and increases in pension payout. That's a look at Farm News This Week in Agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. At Farmers Mutual of Nebraska, we know how important it is to protect your home sweet home. Our policies are carefully tailored specifically for you by a knowledgeable agent right here in your community. Backed by hometown service and unmatched financial strength, experience the personalized difference when your insurance is kept local. Visit fmne.com to contact an agent for a quote today. Farmers Mutual of Nebraska, always alongside you. World Weather Incorporated Senior Meteorologist Drew Lerner is your trusted source for agricultural weather. From the northern plains, we do expect some showers to develop and a couple of thunderstorms. The majority of the meaningful rain, though, is going to be in southern Canada. To South America, Buenos Aires, La Pampa, and Cordoba, but it doesn't occur until we get into next week, leaving plenty of time for changes in the forecast. Drew Lerner, only on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Rain returned to portions of the western Corn Belt Thursday, some of the drier areas of the south, in southeastern South Dakota, northeastern Nebraska, northwestern Iowa received some rain with moisture a little too late, though, to have an impact on this season's crops. Portions of South Dakota did receive anywhere from four-tenths up to eight-tenths of an inch of rain. And uh, while uh, just hundredths of an inch to 32 hundredths from parts of uh, northeastern Nebraska, northwestern Iowa to central Minnesota on into northeastern North Dakota, while part of northwestern Minnesota received uh, uh, 94 hundredths of an inch of rain. Mostly favorable weather conditions for crop maturation, early harvesting continuing over the next couple of weeks. Temperatures will be mostly warmer than normal for at least another week, and rain will be infrequent. World Weather Incorporated says temperatures expected to be much warmer than normal to unseasonably warm in the middle of next week before cooling occurs. In the northern plains, harvesting expected to continue to advance around mostly favorable weather. There will be some shower activity in the next eight days or so. Conditions are still too dry in the western half of the region for the best emergence and establishment of the winter crops, although some beneficial rain will occur and more will be needed. Little to no rain is expected in the second week of the weather outlook after September 23rd. North of Bismarck, Clark Coleman is getting ready to chop silage. About 10 days ago, we, got a, we had a really nice uh, rain shower that came through our area. We, we got about two, two and a half inches of rain, so it it turned our green, our corn green again, and uh, everything just kind of greened up and looked really good. 
but now it's uh, it's starting to dry up a little bit here, so we're going to get started on the corn side. It looks really good. With that rain, we did get a little bit of hail. We had about 240 acres of corn that got beat up pretty bad, so we're, we're going to chop that and use that for feed this year. Coleman is pleased with small grain harvest, which wrapped up last week. We actually delivered a load of barley here, a couple loads of barley here on Friday to Anheuser-Busch in West Fargo, and it was uh, 12 protein, 52 pounds, and 98 plump. And so they were real happy with it, and we finally got the uh, moisture down to um, less than 13.5 where they like it. So, yeah, the barley turned out really good. Probably the best barley crop we've ever harvested on our farm, and I don't know for sure on the wheat, but I think it's probably the best uh, wheat crop that we harvested, too. Just just about everything was 15 protein, 62, 63-pound test weight. Canola harvest is starting in parts of the region. Ken Mayor, North Dakota farmer Mike Brecka says canola crop is behind schedule. I would say for sure definitely behind. The crop is harvesting now later than we typically have, but everything seems to be looking good. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of guys... If they do still swath or else there's burn down going on, which is taking a little longer to happen, even if you're letting it dry down just because of the shorter days we've gotten. And now we're getting a little cooler weather, so it kind of just seems like things are taking a little longer to cure out. But uh, for the most part, like I said, I think we'll be able to get after it a little harder. Newburgh, North Dakota farmer Nathan Bowl finished harvesting barley a couple of weeks ago. And I think most people have finished the barley in the area. Uh, it's been been an excellent crop uh, i guess we were you know yields in the low to mid 90s and uh, the quality was was good uh, protein was low and and the uh, bomb was low so i guess uh, overall we're uh, extremely satisfied with the crop bowl just getting started on canola but uh, thinks yields like are will be better than he expects canola has been excellent so far we've only done one piece but uh it had uh, had some hail on it but uh, we're still uh still north of a ton per acre so um, hope, hoping the rest of the canola is that or better. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's been, been overall been excellent yield. And that's a look at weather this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. You can count on the bean experts at Johnstown Bean Company and TMT Bean and Seed. The owners are also dry bean growers just like you and know what it takes to produce top yields and quality. Agronomists are available to give you expert advice and will answer your questions. While the companies are locally owned, they market your beans worldwide. Johnstown Bean Company and TMT Bean and Seed. Local growers, global connections. Serving farmers from Foston, Monoman, Ada, Crookston, and Thief River Falls to Jamestown, Langdon, Devils Lake, Castleton, Mayville, and Grafton. This is the Red River Farm Network. Agriculture is big business, and we cover it that way with markets, market analysis, crop progress reports, USDA reports, farm policy, and trade issues. If it affects your bottom line, you'll hear about it on the Red River Farm Network. Go online or on your smartphone to rrfn.com. You can click on news, podcasts, radio stations, and more.